0: Hello again. Welcome to the Arlington Baptist Podcast. We're glad you're with us, and we are so thankful to have my good friend, Brother Phil Sawalowski, with us again today, as he is going to continue this ongoing series that he started last episode with the seven feasts of Israel. He's only covered just the Passover, and so I've challenged him here to cover the next six of those seven feasts. So, Brother Phil, welcome and I want to give you the time. Jump right into these spring feasts today. Thank you for being here.
1: Well, shalom, shalom. Again, it's good to be here. Um, this is uh, exciting stuff. This is the greatest, as we said last uh, uh, one, uh, Passover. This is the greatest prophetical chapter in the Amen. Bible, Amen. in my opinion. And it, no other verse does the prophecy. Uh, the Passover spoke of Christ's death. Right. The feast of unleavened bread will t- have to teach on another time period, but that spoke of His death. He was buried on was the burial, Feast of Passover. Yeah. And so uh, we'll talk about it the other time. And so we're going to be de- doing two of the Feasts of, of the Spring Feast, the final two of the Spring, okay. which is the Feast of uh, uh, First Fruits and the Feast of Weeks, uh, the Feast of Shavuot. Okay. And so uh, we're going to go back to that famous book, that famous <laughs> chapter that many have never read, in Leviticus, chapter 9. And, uh, I'm sorry, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9. And it says in Leviticus chapter 23, verse 9 again, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking to the children of Israel. Again, let me make sure you fully grasp this, as we said, the Passover. this These feasts are God's feasts, the Lord's feasts. Amen. And God gave them to Israel. So over 88 times, God says a connection with Moses and to Israel. Good. Why am I saying that? Because they're not for the church. Right. They're for Israel. Now, we learn, and they're great, teachable, great prophecy, but they're, they. they uh, first of all, they're for Israel only, and second of all, you can't do it even if you want to do it. So, we notice again the same thing. Speaking to the children of Israel, and say to them, when you come in the land which I gave unto you. Now, notice it says, come in the land which I gave you. This is a feast of... Uh, uh, first fruits, but they weren't to be done until you got to Israel.
0: Mm.
1: Now, some people have tried to say, well, it's a God thing and therefore anybody can do it. No, no. If it was something pure and perfect, it would have to be done all the time. Mm. God didn't say, uh, oh, you can take the Lord's name in vain before you get (laughs) to the promised land, but once you get to the promised land, you can't do it. (laughs) So there are certain laws in Mosaic law that are always right, And there's some that were right only for Israel, and this is that one. Mm. It's the fourth commandment, keep the Sabbath holy. It's a whole different discussion. Love to have it, but not here. So, and this time rather. um, uh, And shall reap the harvest thereon, that you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest, and shall weigh the sheep before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the sabbath boy there's a key word that morrow after yeah. the sabbath the priest shall wave it That's good and you shall offer that day when you wave the sheaf and a he lamb without blemish of the first year for a burnt offering unto the lord so let's stop there we'll do the next part when we get to the next feast okay but this is the uh feast of first fruits it's the third this was the beginning of the barley harvest mm. so quickly let me talk about uh these feasts uh They're God's calendar. The feasts are calendar. We talked last time on uh, how how long was his public ministry. It was three and a half years because we know he uh, did the Feast of Passover, the Bible records, four times. Mm -hmm. So um, they're God's calendar of redemption. Right. And uh, they 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 come from a different, that we're used to. Um, It's a different time setting. We have a European thinking. Imagine yes. today with no clock, no mm-hmm. uh, no calendar. Um, what will we miss uh, when you didn't know the time or day? And uh, uh, the calendar in, in the Old Testament used, uh, like the prophet Isaiah said, in the year of King Uzziah died. I also uh, I saw also the Lord in Isaiah six uh, to use that same thought process. Right. Uh, I would say in the year of President Richard Nixon, I saw <laughs> the Lord. That was in yeah. 1972. Yeah, yeah. So God uses the commandment, the uh, these this uh, uh, calendar redemption. He uses a different style to ex-, ex to describe an event. In other words, they would use prophecy of past events, but as, as in the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of man be. Numbers 24. Future, for nations shall rise against nations, Matthew mm-hmm. 24, 7. Yeah. Every day, now learn a parable of the fig tree. And then these feasts, we've been using the word feast. We find this beginning all the way back in Genesis 1, verse 14, where God divided light from the night, where he said, let them be for signs and for seasons. Good. The word there is moed. And that word moed is a the root Hebrew word for feast. Mm-hmm. So God was setting up the feasts, all the way back in Genesis chapter one. And we've already said the feast or God's feast, my feast, the feast of the Lord, and it would be a holy convocation. So we've read the scriptures. So it began when they entered the promised land. Uh, It was the beginning of the grain or barley harvest. And uh, the key to this celebration for a harvest was that it had not happened yet but God had promised it would come. right? So you would go and pick a small handful of your crop, as you would, say, a, a bouquet of flowers, mm-hmm. and it'd just come out of the ground. That's the uh, um, first fruits. And they would bring this offering to the temple, and they would give it to the priest, and the priest would wave it to the Lord in thanksgiving. Mm. God wanted uh, his people, and this is the key, to thank him before the blessing, before the harvest came. Wow. You know, after we get the blessing, the big paycheck, someone uh, we healed, <laughs> we say, oh, thank you for answering prayer. Yeah, that's easy fact. to do, that's yeah. after the fact. Yeah. What is faith is when you're thanking God before Amen. it's to happen. Amen. And so the priest of the way that sheaf, the Hebrew word is Omar, so the Jews use the word Omar all the time, like a bouquet of flowers to the Lord. And three sacrifices required, a burnt meat and drink offering of Leviticus 1, 2, and 3 were required. Good. And it was to be done forever. And it's called counting the Omar because the next feast, the Feast of uh, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, you were supposed to count 49 days, seven weeks. That's seven times seven. That's 49. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, would be the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Shavuot. Now, I'm using that word, but what word is that? If you're familiar with the New Testament, it's called Pentecost, right. the Feast of Pentecost. Wow, death, burial, resurrection, first fruits, and Holy Spirit came mm. on the Feast of Pentecost. Mm. No greater prophecy I know than that. That's
0: right. So
1: notice the first three feasts, is kind of a quick review Passover, death of Christ on the, uh, on the cross. The unleavened bread, perfect sin, sinless perfection. Unleavened speaks of perfection. Uh, the Savior died and buried in the grave, and that lasted for seven days. And um, a lot of times in the New Testament, it combines the two, the Pharisee view, they call unleavened bread for both the Passover right, right. and unleavened bread. And then the Feast of the fruits, that would be the tenth day. But at an unusual time it began. It says on the morrow after the Sabbath. Well, why is that unusual? Because they didn't have days of the week. That's right. The only day of the week they had was the Sabbath. Yeah. So what day was it? Oh, it was the first day after the Sabbath, second day of the Sabbath. Or it was the morrow after the Sabbath. So what day would that be? Sunday. Right. Right. Why didn't the Bible just say Sunday (laughs) instead of morrow after Sabbath? Why is the Bible got to be so hard, Brother Sabolovsky? Well, the word Sunday did not come about till 325 A.D. That's right. Almost 1800 years later. Yeah. So what happened to this feast? We don't hear much about it today. After the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D., it's no longer observed, even though it was supposed to be forever. Mm. Now the Bible says it's supposed to be forever. Yet it can't be done today. Oh, we found a problem here. There's an error in the scripture. No, no, no. You're mm. not listening. Mm. There's we do not have a problem. Why? Colossians 2 says again, let no man judge you, meat, drink, or in respect of holy days or new moon, the Sabbath days, which were a shadow of things to right. come. Amen. Jesus said, Matthew 5, think not that I come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Right. When Jesus came, died, crucified, buried, feast of unleavened bread, and a, a, a feast of first arose those dress rehearsals were fulfilled amen not replaced fulfilled good we don't have to do it any longer it's good so jesus was fulfilling this feast of first fruits amen first corinthians 15 is probably the great chapter it speaks of the first fruits right and thus that's how we say it is forever the bible does not lie it tells the truth because the first fruits is fulfilled in christ yes now without christ you got problems. Yeah, that's right. Lots of problems because it can't be done today. That's right. But 1 Corinthians 15, 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits there, it is, there it is of yes. them that slept. Amen. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. Now listen to these words. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ, in Christ shall all be made alive. Amen. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruit, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. There it is. So the first key, key statement here is, not Christ is risen from the dead, became the first fruits. So the resurrection of Jesus is not just someone coming back to life. Old Testament, there were several that came back yeah. to life. Right. But 1 Corinthians 15:53 tells us, for this corruptible, that's our body, must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Amen. So when this corruptible shall be put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Amen. The Feast of First Fruit is one of the most comforting yes. teachings of the Bible. Good. When you're at the gravesite mm. of a loved one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they've come to Christ, Yes. And you know they were saved. You're going to see them again. Amen. In heaven. That's right. Because as Jesus arose, we'll talk about it again some more on this, so will you and I. Thank you, Lord. But the saddest thing, the saddest event is someone that, that never accepts Christ and dies. Right. And that's why preachers will tell you mm. the funeral is for the living. That's right. Not the dead. It's too late for them. That's right. So then it says First Corinthians 15. For as Adam all died, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Adam, his fall as a head position brought sin to the world. So Christ, who through his death as a first fruit rose from the dead, we who have placed our faith, trust in him, will also rise with him. Oh, what a comfort that is. Amen. But what does it mean to be in Christ? I'm one of these guys that if I read something and I don't grasp it,
0: right. it's good. I have
1: to stop and study. This is how you learn your Bible. Right, right. You have to read it and then ask the Bible questions. Why is this happening? Mm. Why is it happening now? What does this mean? Yes. Again, this is what's important. Amen. I had a student one time say to me, Well, Brother Savolaski, you say that and I'm studying Genesis one. One, and I could spend my entire lifetime on never getting to verse two. Mm. And I said, Well, you've got to be in reason. Don't go too far. Uh, Balance. Matter of fact, many, many times I've struggled with something, couldn't grasp it, and then you go on Mm. and you let the Lord lead, and what will happen is, in this particular case, it was about a year and a half later, I was reading something else, and all of a sudden I read something, and it's Spirit just spoke to me. There's your answer. Click. There it is. Back that year and a half ago, Ooh. you asked that question. Here's the answer. Good. And boy, I ended up writing a book on it. So uh, <laughs> it was that type of understanding. So, what does it mean in Christ? And I was looking through uh, history, uh, uh, well, not history, but I was, something happened, uh, a big event happened in America. It was in May of 2006. Uh, you know the story of Enron. Remember, it was a billion-dollar company, Right. and just a few months, it went bankrupt. Mm. And the man who was head of Enron, his name was Keith Lay. He was the CEO, mm. and uh, he kept saying over and over, I want my day in court, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. Well, he had his day in court. It was supposed to be one of the most um, tech, technological, challenging uh, uh, um Case to, to to show lay people what mean what he did yeah, and in a very short time he was convicted as guilty <laughs> of fraud. Oh wow! Now, I knew that story, but I didn't know as Paul Harvey says the rest of the story. The rest of the story. An interesting uh, situation arose that because our Judeo Christian system, our, our judicial system. Is based on Judeo-Christian ethic foundation. Right. At least it still is to some extent, but it's changing. Yes. And because of this first fruits, it allowed this man Keith Lay, who was guilty Hmm. beyond a shadow of a doubt of his peers. He was found. If you go and look in the journals of law. About this case of Keith Lay, even though he was found guilty, you'll find he was considered that verdict of guilty was thrown out and he was given the, 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 the thing of not guilty.
0: Wow. What how did, did that
1: he happen? do? What lawyer
0: Yeah, how the they twist that
1: quality did he get this change? Mm. What was the situation that allowed a man Beyond the shall without convicted of fraud to become not guilty. Mm. The answer of that, in July 5th of 2006, mm. Keith Lay died oh. before he was <laughs> okay. sentenced for his crime.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And according to our Judeo-Christians of first fruits, wow. that if you die before your sentence,
0: they don't declare you guilty anymore.
1: You're no longer guilty. Wow. I didn't Boy, does that. Boys, that speak to mm-hmm. me. In like manner, you wow. and I are guilty. That's right. Yeah, we're sitting there saying, hey, wait a second, wait a second. Now I look over that guy over there. Man, let me say something here now. I'm not that bad, Lord. <laughs> I'm much better. I tithe, I give this, <laughs> we I understand that. I'm yeah. much better. But see, your problem is you're looking at the wrong person. That's right. God said, Be ye holy as I'm holy. I'd never forget reading that when I was mm. first reading the Bible mm. uh, before I got saved, thinking, uh, God, you don't know me very well. How can I be holy? Yeah. C- possible. Mm. And so they were supposed to be God like, they were supposed to follow God rest on the seventh day, so the Sabbath is supposed to rest. And Christ, our uh, Passover lamb, uh, we now know what uh, uh, perfection is. And so now we're going to be Christ like. That's why we're called Christians. Amen. We're to follow after Christ because we're to be holy as Christ was holy. Right. So but when we put our faith in Christ, and this is the beauty of the understanding. This clicked to me like nothing ever did. Mm. When we have put our faith in Christ who had died and rose from the grave, even though we were guilty beyond a shadow of doubt, broke every law there ever was and ever will be. That's true. All 613, so will we arise with Christ Amen. and be pronounced not, not guilty.
0: Amen. Praise wow.
1: God. To me, that's, that's, that, that's the most profound statement Amen. of the Feast of First Fantastic. Fruits. But that's the third key statement. For every man, First Corinthians 15, every man his own order, Christ the First Fruits, and after they that are Christ At his coming Every man in his own order That's a military ter- term We have general, we have sergeant We have foot soldier Not all believers are going to be resurrected At the same time The mm-hmm. first stage, Christ arose from the grave mm-hmm. The second stage is believers in the Christ The rapture right. Those who are dead in Christ And then we which are alive shall uh, be in the air right. And then the third stage Is the Old Testament saints The tribulational saints and they all are, are, are given their new bodies at that just before the second coming. Mm. And so the feast of first fruits teaches us a very clear of Christ our first fruits and it happened on a day that didn't even have a name. <laughs> Tomorrow after the
0: s- yes Sunday. Sabbath. Yeah. Sunday. First day That's
1: life. why we worship on Sunday. That's
0: right. Amen. Not
1: because it's the um, spiritual day of rest some have tried to take the fourth uh, uh, commandment to keep the Sabbath holy and uh, have tried to come up with a way of explaining well uh, Spurge and others unfortunately have that view no no it has nothing to do with the Sabbath it has all to do with Christ and him alone amen. and it didn't even have a name because there was no other name and that's why we worship on Sunday that's good so let's now go to the uh, fourth and final spring feast amen that happened in the springtime, the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. And uh, we'll deal with Acts 2 in just a little bit. I wrote a hermeneutical axiom. Uh, Hermeneutical axiom is something that is a basis that we study. Hermeneutics is uh, the study, the teachings of the Word of God. And so uh, I wrote one for hermeneutics class. And this is how I stated, our Savior and Bible were Jewish. Every writer. Yes, Luke was a Jew. Romans says the oracle of God was given to the Jew. Oracle is the written word of God. Therefore, to understand the context of God's word, one should study it through the lens of Israel's history and culture. Amen. And this is one of those Feast of Pentecost. Right. Baptists have a way of running away from it because of Pentecostals and others and tongues and all that stuff. (laughs) And the trouble is, we're missing one of the great mm. prophetical teachings of scriptures. That's true. So, Leviticus 23, listen, I gotta have you read it. Uh, Leviticus 23, of the Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Weeks, Feast of Shavuot. I have these sayings. Uh, they all have a, mean the same. And you shall count unto you from the morrow after Sabbath. By the way, there's only two times everything always happens on the Sabbath except two events. The first one, Feast of Firstfruits, and the second one is the Feast of Pentecost. How interesting it, it fulfilled in New Testament. But anyway, He's in
0: verse 15, by the way. Verse, verse 15.
1: 23. And he shall count unto, uh, unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbath shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seven Sabbath shall you number 50 days. That's where we go with the word Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And ye shall offer a new meat offering to the Lord. Now, watch this. You shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves. Mm-hmm. This is the only mention of loaves, mm-hmm. not unleavened bread. Right, right. Loaves, loaves. speaks of sin. Of two tenth deals that ye shall be of fine flour, and they shall be baking with leaven. There it they is. are the first fruit unto the Lord. And ye shall offer with the bread, no, it's all singular, seven lambs without blemish. For time's sake, uh, mm-hmm. let's. Now jump to verse 20. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits for a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And then the setup of the next uh, fall feast, verse 22. And ye shall reap the harvest of your land. Thou shalt not make clean riddance of the corner of the field without reapest. Neither shalt thou gather any gleaning of the harvest. Thou shalt leave them unto the poor and to the stranger. I am Lord your God. We'll talk about that in the next podcast. That's the Ruth and Boaz. Okay. So we know this is Pentecost. It was 40 days after the Feast of uh, first fruits. 50 days. Uh, 50 days. 50 days. Uh, by the way, the rabbis, Judaism, count the 50 days, not from the Feast of first fruit, but they do it from the Feast of Passover. And uh, that all is connected with the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which we'll do in no time. Now, you know, this 50 days, Jesus taught the disciples for 40 of those days. And uh, uh, then he spoke about the Holy Spirit there in John 16, where he said, He, speaking of the Holy Spirit, shall not speak of himself. This is where if someone's speaking Mm -hmm. about the Holy Spirit, no, no. What is the job of the Holy Spirit? Not of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall he speak, and he shall show you things to come. He shall glorify me. Amen. John 16 says. So if you have someone glorifying the Holy Spirit, and there are some denominations that don't even mention the name of Jesus, it's a, do you have the Spirit? No, it's Christ that we mentioned, and the Holy Spirit uh, glorifies Christ. Good. All part of the triunity of the Godhead. Amen. Now at Pentecost, you remember in Acts 2, 3,000 souls were added to the, uh, to the church. Church right. again, official ground only was that Lord's uh, Lord's Supper and um, but this 3,000 souls have a way of connecting with the Old Testament as we're showing just even more but when Moses received the law on Mount Sinai yes you know if you know the story you don't have time to go into all of it but you remember Moses gets the Ten Commandments he comes down from the mountain the people are worshiping um uh about others and so he goes and uh, throws down the commandments. Mm-hmm. He's, he tells talks to Aaron. Aaron says, well, they gave me this gold. I stuck it in the oven. P- popped out. Popped out as a, a golden calf. <laughs> yes. Who knew? Yeah, he would It's known. one of the most funniest yeah, <laughs> parts of the Bible where you it read is. it. His, and so 3,000 were slain.
0: That's right.
1: At, the, uh, uh, at this giving of law, the um, Jews would read this story of the giving of law at the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Pentecost. Mm. So you have to understand what's going on here. This is when the law was read on Mount Sinai on the Feast of Pentecost. Mm. So we're missing a important connection here. Acts 2, in the temple, the sound of rushing wind would looked like tongues of fire appeared upon them. Such a strange uh, phenomenon brought people rushing to see what's going on. So they're in the temple. Yeah this is a big gatherings happened. like a lot of groups would be in the temple teaching everybody had their own uh, area mm. and so it was courtesy that when you got large or people began to talk loud you would come outside of the temple and go to the corner of what's called the rabbi's teaching steps the mm. rabbi's corner okay and um, it's on the southern steps and uh, that's where they would teach this is where the Feast of Pentecost took place mm. so Remember, Peter's preaching, and the Peter's language was changed, caused many of the religious Jews to stand up and take notice. Right. Now, why? Today, if I started speaking in English and started speaking in Spanish or another language, most of y'all go, hey, he's bilingual. He's pretty yeah. sharp.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I can't. But anyway, if I could, <laughs> uh, that's what you would do. Right. But why was it so important? Because, first of all, at the Feast of Shavuot, it was one of the three required places, times. Amen. Every male was required to go to Jerusalem. Right. It was at this time uh, that you had to go. The Feast of Pente- uh, Feast of uh, Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacle were the three. And so it was at the giving of Law at Mount Sinai when God, remember now, on the Feast of Pentecost, they're all reading God giving the law on Mount Sinai. Mm. They would have been in the temple. They would have been around the temple. Everybody's reading those exact uh, chapters of the giving of the law. Mm. And here's what they would have read. How God spoke to Israel when the law was given at Mount Sinai. Deuteronomy chapter 5. The Lord made not his covenant with our fathers, but with us, even us, who are all of us here alive this day. The Lord talked with you. Face to face in the mount, out of the midst of the fire, Deuteronomy 5:22 says, "These words the Lord spake unto all your assembly in the mount of the midst of the fire, mm-hmm. and then said." And it came to pass when ye heard. So get the picture now. They're right. reading the Israelites there up on Mount Sinai. God is speaking to them, and he, they heard the voice out of the midst of the garden. Uh, darkness for the mountain did burn with fire, Yes. that ye came near to me, even all the heads of the tribes and your elders. Mm-hmm. And then Deuteronomy 4.12 says, Ye heard, listen to 4.12, Ye heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. And ye heard a voice. Mm-hmm. The key to understanding the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Pentecost, was that there would have been a mixed people at Mount Sinai. When God spoke there on Mount Sinai to the people, there would have been Egyptians, mm. there would have been Canaanites, as well as Jews who left at the Exodus. Mm. Exodus 12, 38 says, A mixed multitude went up also with right, them in right. blocks and herds. And this is why they struggled there in the wilderness, because yes. there would have been some that are uh, too new and still like the Egyptian language and mm-hmm, things of that nature. mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at this feast, remember, two loaves of leavened bread made with wheat were weighed before, but not placed on the altar. The purpose of this feast, according to Deuteronomy 16, and thou shalt remember that thou was a bondsman mm. in Egypt. Yes. And thou shalt observe and do these statutes. They were bondmen in Egypt. Mm. And now, two loaves, loaves, speaking of sin.
0: Yes. With Levin.
1: Levin. I always like that funny story of um, Lucy, uh, the TV show, I Love Lucy. <laughs> and she's making bread, mm. and she didn't know how much yeast... She ah. pours yeast in the pan. She put too and much. Put probably. too much in, yeah. she, she puts it in. puts cuts the stove on, and then through the magic of TV, it grows and grows, and all of a sudden the door blows open. She gets behind the bread, and it blow pushes her out of the kitchen. And see, that's what sin is. Yeah. It always starts out small. That's
0: it. That's right.
1: I only missed church one Sunday. Preacher,
0: mm. what's the big deal? Yeah.
1: I only, I only took one drink with the guys. What's mm. the big deal? Mom, mm. Dad, I only missed curfew by five minutes. What's the big deal? Mm. But it grows and grows. That's See, rough. both Jew and Gentiles are slaves under the bondage of sin. Mm. The very feast that they were in Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of Pentecost was when God spoke to Israel. Directly in their own language, mm. in the giving of the Ten Commandments, God spoke again to the nation through Peter, in their own language. That's good. Wow, that's why three thousand were saved. Amen. Notice the group people uh, Peter spoke to in Acts chapter two. Yes, and said so they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And every man then spoke in his own language, and they were amazed, Yes. and they were marveled. Behold, are not these which speak Galileans? Yes. And how we hear, we, every man in our own tongue, where we were born. Mm. So groups, denominations that get into this tongue things, mm. it was a Jewish. That's right. It was A sign, it was showing that God wants you to hear the Word of God. God wants you to know in your language. That's why we translate the Word of God in different groups, and different uh, languages all over the world. Right. And uh, why it's so important. And so we see this, this Feast of Pentecost, we Baptists don't need to run for it. We need to go for it. Amen. Because God's speaking the language just like he did to Israel there on Mount Sinai. Good. Again, these are all God's calendar of redemption yes the resurrection feast of first fruit is a key to our faith amen without the resurrection of christ we're a fool. amen so that sounds pretty harsh well the scripture says it paul said first Corinthians 15 now if christ be preached they rose from the dead how say some ye, some among you that there is no resurrection of dead but if there be no resurrection of dead then is christ not risen and if christ be not risen mm-hmm. Then is our preaching vain? That's right. And your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God. They raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, It so be that he do- dead rise not. Mm-hmm. And so 1 Corinthians 15 is very, very important. The Holy Spirit yes. was promised to come. The third part of the triunity of the Godhead. Amen. And it was... Uh, this that we have as a believer, when we accept Christ as Savior, God brought a comforter. Just as the disciples had Christ for three and a half years, we have all the Holy Spirit we're ever going to get when we got That's saved. That's right. Amen. And so it's, uh, it brings us comfort. It brings back words that the Scripture says and it speaks of the prophecy of the end time. But our focus is on Christ. That's the role of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Of uh, the third part of the Trinity of the Godhead, to Good. focus on Christ. Yes. What the power of the Holy Spirit gives to the believer, Paul in Romans chapter seven had one of the most powerful text I've ever read. This is Paul speaking as a believer. Mm. Because let's be honest, we all struggle with sin. We That's all right. struggle. That's right. Of breaking God's word. Mm -hmm. We have that. If we don't have it, it's probably because we don't know God's word. Right. And then we're ignorant of it and just we go about uh, with no understanding. That's right. We all struggle with that. Mm -hmm. Romans 7 says, one of my favorite chapters of Paul. But I see, this is a believer now, Paul. But I see another law in my members.
0: Yes.
1: Warring against the law of my mind. That's right. Isn't it interesting, I've had people say, well, I'm just not very good at memorizing the scripture. That's me. <laughs> Yet I've seen people who've said those words tell sports statistics of some yeah. player in sports yeah. league. Every detail. They yeah. can call every detail. Yeah. Uh, or some movie they saw. Yes. Or some whatever. That's How right. sad is that? Tragic. Worrying it's the law of my mind bringing me into captivity mm. to the law of sin, yes. which is in my members. And here Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. Amen. I can see him throwing his hands up. Yes. He is just disgusted. Mm. He's a believer, yet he struggles. Mm. That's right. Boy, you know, I've had people say, well, preacher, you always talk about the... Um, uh, the uh, heaven you know the spiritual now 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 we're in the nasty now and now <laughs> can you make it real yeah. you're only getting real in this that's it this is someone's a believer who struggles with his mind past things you have noticed that Satan has a way of bringing past sins that's it something sure happened is. years later and all of a sudden I'll start getting depressed because I'll think oh man I didn't do that right I did wrong mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. yeah I forgiven it but see we'll we'll say God, Forgive me of my sins, First 1 John 1, nine, But the problem is we won't forgive ourselves. Right. We have more defeated Christians. That's true. If God forgave your sin. Amen. Then we need to learn to forgive ourselves. Right. And seek to do better. Because yes. we represent Christ. We're the only Bible the world Amen. sees. Amen, that's right. So, oh, wretched man, when you read that, you can't just read, oh, wretched man. No, (laughs) oh, wretched, the cry there. Yes. I am. who, who shall deliver me from the body of this death?
0: What emotion, yeah.
1: Oh, tear, pulley of hair. Yeah. But I love, if he stopped there. Yeah. We would be in trouble. Yeah, thank God it doesn't stop there. No, because then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. Yes. This is the Feast of Pentecost. Holy Spirit came right on time, God's calendar of redemption. Where are you, the listener, on this calendar? Because they didn't have right. other days, right? Where are you at this calendar? Mm. The feast of Passover, he died. Yeah. That's the beginning. Right. If you don't have that, you have nothing. Mm-hmm. It was a death penalty. It's harsh, just that without Christ, you have that same death penalty. Mm. The feast of unleavened bread, the perfect life, the burial, Christ right. was crucified and was buried. Right. The feast of first fruits, he arose on Sunday. Yes. Didn't even have a name. Mm. This was something Israel was supposed to practice and practice, but the problem is, Israel fell in love with the uh, the um, uh, the uh, um, uh, the uh, uh, each yearly thing uh, mm-hmm. with the uh, um, uh, pr- preparation. They missed seeing what it meant, I see. and then the Feast mm-hmm. of Pentecost came right on time. The Holy Spirit, and so the Feast of uh, all four spring feasts are very clear gospel presentations. Amen. And so I asked the question, where are you on this calendar? Good, um, good. It's the calendar of redemption.
0: Good. Amen. So we're
1: going to cover in our next one, you'll want to hear it, because the next one is prophecy. It's the three fall feasts. Mm. But Christ tells us about these fall feasts yes. in a verse that you read all the time but never knew it. So I'm kind of giving a little bit of advertisement that you <laughs> want to good. listen to the next one. Amen. Because the Fall Feast speaks of the end time coming. It is one of the um, seven foundational teachings mm-hmm. of a pre-trib, pre-millennial viewpoint. Right, uh, right. The Day of the Lord, the uh, seventh week of Daniel, the uh, Jewish wedding, uh, Jewish marriage picture in prophecy, uh, the... Uh, um, fall feast, uh, the imminent return, and the birth pangs. Mm. Like all seven. Hey, uh, these are foundational teachings that bring us to a pre-trib, pre-millennial viewpoint. And uh, that's what the fall feast, everything hinges on those as one of the pillars of a pre-trib, pre-millennial feast.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brother Phil. This is great. So right now, just to sum up, we are living in between Pentecost and trumpets which will be the next feast the first of the fall feasts that, that phil will deal with and i tell you this has been great teaching i just love how phil brought all four of these feasts together at the end there and challenged you listener to think about where are you on god's calendar you got to start at passover you got to start with christ uh we're in christ by repentance and faith we're brought into his death his burial his resurrection through him but I love this Feast of Pentecost because it really deals with where we are now in the church age. Uh, Phil brought up, and I was going to ask him, but he was, he was on a roll, so I didn't want to interrupt. But, you know, those two loaves, uh, I, I think Phil would probably agree with me. I think they picture both Jew and Gentile in the church. I mean, you've got these, like he said, the only, only feast that has eleven in it. And you got these two loaves, picture the two parts of the church. has always been made up of Jew and Gentile. Started out mostly all Jewish But now it's kind of went the other way. We need to be reaching more Jewish people as our dear friend Phil leads a ministry to make churches realize how important it is uh, to reach the Jewish people with the gospel. So Phil, this has been fantastic. I appreciate this so much. Now remember, join us in the next podcast. Phil's going to sum up and finish these last three fall feasts. And I tell you, they're going to fit beautifully in line. You know, if you've been listening to the podcast and just got done doing a series on prophecy that we just ended a few weeks ago, and Phil's right on the same uh, line I am on that, pre-tribulational, pre-millennial, all these things align right up perfectly. You'll see the symbolism in these last three feasts. It's really going to be exciting. Well, remember our motto, conviction for truth and compassion for people. God bless you. Welcome again to the Arlington Baptist Podcast. We're so glad you're with us, and we're excited about this series that we're in right now with Brother Phil Sovolosky, a Jewish believer, good friend for a long time, missionary, heads up the Olive Tree Ministry, going on 30 years next year, and he's in the midst of teaching on the seven feasts of Israel. He's already covered the Passover in one episode, and in the next episode, our last episode, he covered uh, the other three uh, spring feast, And now he's going to cover the last three. And Brother Phil, thank you for coming. We're so excited and looking forward to hearing these fall feasts. So go right into it.
1: Well, shalom, shalom. It's a joy. And hopefully this feast, to me, the greatest prophetical part of Scripture. Amen. Let me do again a quick review so we have it all down because we're, we're going to be teaching on the fall feast. But the spring feast Sets the stage for the fall feast again. Greatest pro- pro- prophecy in Scripture, Leviticus twenty-three. Mm. The Passover, the death on the cross. Uh, it was uh, he died on the Passover. Right unleavened bread speaks of sinless perfection. Yes. Uh, unleavened gives us that buried in the grave. Right and uh, the first fruits unusual time uh, that was to take place on the morrow after the Sabbath. Amen. And they were supposed to be counting uh, the. Uh, 49 days, uh, and then the next day, the 50th day, was the uh, um, Feast of uh, uh, of uh, Pentecost. Uh, by the way, I did not mention, but uh, imagine counting the days. You know, we count the days all the time. Yeah. Uh, countdown for a vacation. Yeah, right. And things like that. Have you ever counted down for a vacation? The anticipation was so exciting. Yes,
0: and yes. then
1: you get to the vacation and it rains. You lose your yeah. wallet. It's, it's kind of a letdown. Letdown. You know the, the excitement was anticipation. Yes. Well, that that 50 days they counted the anticipation, but there was no letdown here. Mm. Uh, the, the feast of Pentecost, Holy Spirit came right on Amen. time. Amen. So it's an interesting understanding, and it happened on the morrow after the Sabbath. Again, the only two times of any event always happened on the Sabbath, except the feast of first fruits. And the Feast of Pentecost amen so I get asked all the time we're gonna be talking about the Fall Feast and uh, let's read the Fall Feast again because it has important teaching here the Fall Feast Leviticus 23 is where we're at again uh, verse 23 uh, Leviticus 23 we have that same and the Lord spake to Moses saying speaking to the children of Israel mm-hmm. again mm-hmm. these feasts are for Israel in the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall you have a Sabbath, a memorial, a blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. But notice, you shall do mm. no servant work therein, but you shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Mm. Then the feast of the day of atonement, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, verse 26, and also on the tenth day of this month, so the first day of the seventh month was the feast of uh, the day of trumpets. The, sec- the tenth day is the uh, day of atonement. Mm-hmm. So it says also on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall afflict your souls and offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And ye shall do no work in that same day, for it is a day of atonement to make an atonement for you, Before the Lord your God. Mm. Well, let's jump now into our final feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. And it says in verse 33 of Leviticus 23 And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The 15th day of this month, remember, the first day of the seventh month was the uh, uh, Feast of Trumpets, the 10th day was the Day of Atonement, and the 15th day was the Feast of Tabernacles. And uh, shall be a, uh, a Feast of Tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall do no silver work therein. Jump down to verse 40. And you shall take ye on the first day the boughs of godly goodly trees, branches of palm trees.
0: Hmm.
1: When were you supposed to bring the palm branches? On the day of... The Feast of uh, Tabernacles. Right. We'll bring that up in a second. And the of thick trees, willows of the brook, and ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. Mm. Verse 42, you shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites shall, born shall dwell in booths, that your generation may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. Again, Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feast of the Lord. Amen. And so these feasts are Israel they're the God the God who gave it to uh Israel. Right. So I get asked all the time, My brother Sablowski, you're you're using these feasts and you've showed how the spring feast all shows Christ and all that." But these fall feasts, does, does Christ ever mention that? Well, let's get with the time period that took place between the spring and the fall feast. Mm. The fall—the spring feast was beginning on the third month. Remember Passover was the first uh, day of the first month? And then you had uh, the uh, um, unleavened bread for eight days. And then you had uh, first fruits that... Uh, that were to take place, uh, the morrow after the sabbath, and then you were to count 50 days. And so it was the beginning of the third month where you have the Pentecost would take place and then the beginning of the seventh month. So the time period between these first uh, four feasts and the fall feasts are how long you mathematicians out there? Seven minus three is four. Four months. Now, did Jesus mention this time period anywhere in Scripture? Mm, yes. Yes, he did. Again, let me go over since this is done through sound and not through sight. Time period between the spring, between the spring and fall feast. Spring feast first month, second month, Passover, first feast ten days, fall, uh, Feast of Fruits, Pentecost, 50 days, that's 60 days, two months is lunar. The fall feast begins on the 7th month of the sem- uh, first day of the 7th month. So that's uh, 4 months is 120 days, spring feast and fall feast. So the difference between the two is 4 months. What did Jesus say? Mm-hmm. Say not ye mm-hmm. that there are yet 4 months and then come with the harvest. Yeah. These time period between the spring feast and the fall feast is four months now obviously we don't take this literally because it's been longer than four months yeah we're in the church age we're talking about two thousand years right but this is a time because what it speaks of the harvest that's what we're doing now by saying you lift up your eyes look on the fields for they're white already to harvest amen paul also refers to it in first thessalonians 5 where it speaks of the times and the seasons Amen. Matter of fact, in prophecy, the Antichrist, Daniel 7, says, thanks to change the times and the laws. And so we're seeing that happen even today as we set it for the end times. Yeah, preview. Because mm-hmm. the seasons of what the Passover teaches or what the feasts all teach are being changed. Mm-hmm. I mentioned last month, a last lesson, that you, you, the calendar of Omar was supposed to be from the feast of first fruit, 50 days but the rabbis changed it to count it from the Passover mm. to get away from this yeah. because the prophecy is so exact. That's and right. So we're seeing that taking place today. Mm. Uh, so the Feast of Trumpets is one of those verses in Scripture. Uh, all seven feasts are mentioned in uh, the, uh, um, uh, are found in the, uh, the uh, New Testament right? except the Feast of Trumpets, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Hmm. But all four feasts, we're talking about the spring feasts, were fulfilled literally, weren't they? Right. Christ died, buried, and rose again. Right. So if that's true and is, why would one therefore not conclude that the fall feasts would not be fulfilled literally? That's right. Amen. So get in mind where we're at as we deal with these fall feasts, which deals with prophecy. We're in the church age. Yes. First four feasts are fulfilled. Romans 11 says, For not be brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceit, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: church age now, not the kingdom. We're in the church age. The next step on God's count is the rapture of the saints. The Lord himself has sent from heaven with a shout, mm-hmm. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 4, says. At seven-year tribulations also called the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah right. 30, verse 7. It begins with a treaty, a peace treaty, between Israel and its enemies, and it's confirmed by the Antichrist. Yes. And then after that, we have the millennial king, the thousand-year reign. So let's see how these fall feasts line up with the above calendar. Mm. So we've uh, read these, uh, this fall feast, Leviticus 23, 23 through 25, and it's the seventh month, and you were to blow up, make a clangor, a noise, as, as on a trumpet. The trumpet is the new moon, Psalms 813 says, in a time appointed for our solemn feast days. And matter of fact, in the temple, uh, in Jesus' day, uh, they would have had a trumpet who would get at the top and he would blow the trumpet. It was a, t- it was a sound to uh, time to worship. Mm-hmm. They didn't have watches, didn't have internet, yeah. believe it or not, That's right. and calendars. That's and right. so until you heard that trumpet, you're amen. supposed to work. Yes. It sounds like the day, aren't we? We're supposed <laughs> to work until Christ comes. Until
0: Jesus comes, amen.
1: So um, the words, Memorial of Blowing the Trumpet, it's zikron turah, is the uh, Hebrew word. And so they, they say these words when they blow the trumpet. And it also can be uh, translated as it is in Job 38, the shouting for joy. Mm. It describes how God created the heavens and the earth, and all the sons of God shouted for joy in Job 38. Now, the Bible does not give us a reason. Interesting. Unlike all the other feasts, this feast, the Bible does not give a reason for blowing the trumpet, the mm. ram's horn. It's the only feast that's not named in the New Testament, but we see its impact. Mm. It was to happen on the first day of Tishra, that was the uh, month that was called the seventh month, and there would be a new moon, mm-hmm. and only the slightest crescent visible, plus uh, uh, would be shown. And so, because there was clouds, sometimes could be obscured, obscured. It was hard to see, and so mm-hmm. you had to have witnesses, and their job was required in Old Testament time period to check for this small crescent. Okay. What's well, a good job to have.
0: Mm. What's your
1: job? Well, I, I'm, I'm look at the sky and make sure when the moon, moon comes. moon watcher. A moon watcher. A moon watcher. <laughs> Not walking, moon yeah, watching. moon watching. <laughs> so, what's the key word of the Feast of Trumpets? Watchfulness. Mm. You had to watch. It was a critical ingredient. It was so important mm. that the rabbis, just to be sure, had a second, uh, made a second day out of it. Mm. But the, this feast speaks of watchfulness good. and prepa- pre- preparation. That's good. Amen. And it's echoed and re-echoed many times in the New Testament. Again, ah, the feast it. of trumpets not said, but Matthew 24. Watch, therefore, yes, for you know what your hour, your Lord, has come. Mm. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober, Amen. verse Thessalonians 5, Amen. looking for that blessed hope. That's the rapture. And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. I is too. Amen. It was a one-day festival. No labor. uh, Special sacrifices. Uh, The blowing of the trumpet. It reminds every Jew of what took place in Genesis 22. Remember, Abraham took Isaac up on Mount Moriah. And he was going to sacrifice. And he thought if I uh, killed uh, uh, um, Isaac, God would resurrect he was looking for belief in God and the coming Messiah. When it says that Abraham believed God and counted for righteous, what did he believe? He believed in God and the coming Messiah. That's why he, uh, he brought uh, Isaac up on Mount Moriah. Mm. And so he gets up there, and Isaac, being uh, who he is says, uh, Dad, you, you're getting old here. You brought the fire. You bought the wood, but uh, yes. you missed something. Lamb? Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? Yeah. I can even picture my mind. He's saying, uh, you know, they know about Alzheimer's back then, you know, and so he's about to go down the mountain to get a lamb. And uh, Genesis 22 is very clear that Abraham said God himself provide that lamb. God himself would be that lamb. That's right. And so um, that was going on. So what happened? He got ready to Uh, To kill Isaac, the Bible says, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. Mm. And then Abraham took the uh, ram and offered it for burnt offering instead of his son. What a beautiful picture of our Savior being offered uh, there as that sacrifice. The rams. And so yes. when they blow the ram's horn, it's remind me, it's called the Akita in Hebrew, mm-hmm. in office, the sacrificing, uh, that where Abraham caught the ram, was caught in the thicket by his horns, uh, and was uh, killed as a uh, in the steed of his son. That's right. Today, you Amen. don't hear the word de- uh, Feast of Trumpets, you hear Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Remember, we talked about Satan changing the times, and here's the way they've done another it. Example. You don't hear the Feast of Trumpets because mm. Jews know that sounds too much Christian. <laughs> so they changed it to Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year. The Bible never refers to this feast in that way, and they based it on Ezekiel 4, but who cares? And the Bible, rabbis give three meanings, and the first one's the only one I really want to cover of this Feast of Trumpets. It's a symbol of the final regathering when the Messiah comes. This is rabbinical.
0: Mm. Wow, that's, and it shall come to symbolic. pass
1: in mm. that day that the great trumpet shall be blown. And they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, the outcast mm. land of Egypt, and shall worship the Lord the holy mount at Jerusalem.
0: What's that passage again?
1: That's uh, Isaiah 27, is. 13. Okay. okay, good. And so it's a final regathering. What mm. is the rapture? A regathering. Right. We're going to meet Catching in the air. Up, all of us. Exactly. Yeah, it's precious. Now, we've got to be careful here. The feast of trumpets, that is one of the seven feasts of God who gave to Israel. Therefore, this feast must be for Israel. Mm. Interesting. It's a critical. If you say, well, that's sh- that, that trumpet's for the church. Then you've just taught replacement doctrine.
0: Yeah, that's true. Boy, that's and many serious. messianics
1: that follow uh, a lot of Jewish stuff do that because they think they're the new Israel. Mm-hmm. We're not. The church is separate from Israel. Amen. So you have—I uh, don't have time to go into all that. That can be another lesson or yeah. a teaching on where this is all placed. Right now, we're just teaching the basics of it. But uh, uh, the, the key point is uh, that it was a uh, coming together, a final regathering. So the ways of the trumpet, the five uses of the trumpet has uh, five uh, different usages. The first one is it was an announcement, Matthew 6. Therefore, when thou doest thy alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee. It was a call to war. For if the trumpet give an unclean sound, who shall prepare himself to bow? Yes. 1 Corinthians 14. It sounded God's approach and the sound of a trumpet, a voice of words, Hebrews 12. It was a symbol, this trumpet, of God's voice. Revelation 1.10, I was in the spirit, John said, in the Lord's day, and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Mm. And the fifth one, it's a symbol of judgment. Revelation yes. chapter 8. And we opened the seventh seal. There yes. was silence yes. in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So... The old New Testament explanation reveals its fulfillment. The New Testament Isaiah twenty-seven thirteen speaks of that final worldwide gathering of the Jewish people in Israel at this trumpet. Amen. Uh, Matthew twenty-four confirms the Isaiah twenty-seven thirteen, where it says, "And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall together gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other." The Jewish people will complete their return back to Israel Amen. as the end times during the tribulation where the Israel is brought to the forefront because yes. the church is no more. Right. The church right. is earthly. Right. At the rapture we're gone. Right. And so now it goes back to Old Testament. They began doing sacrifices and things of that nature. That's right. Remember at creation it was the sons of God who shouted for joy, but now it's God himself who will shout for man. Mm. Go ahead. Job thirty eight seven Good. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Mm. But now it's for the Lord himself shall the the sin from heaven with a shout. Yes. And that shout is for you and I. Amen. And the trump is for Israel. Good, good. After the bridal chambers was built in the story of uh, Matthew 25, illustrating the Jewish wedding. Remember that story after the bridal chambers were built. He goes to get his bride, speaking of the church-age believer, uh, believers. Right. And when he announces his arrival, he announces it with a shout, a cry. And at midnight, there was a cry, a shout made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Yes. Go ye out to meet him. Mm. So it's at this cry, this shout, that the bride comes back to home to prepare for the bridegroom. Amen. That's why we said in John chapter 14 at that last supper, Jesus says, I go and prepare a place for you, and I will come again and receive you myself, that where I am there you may be also. And that is going to be at the Feast of Trumpets. Good. So the fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpet is the start of the final complete regathering of the Jews to the land of Israel. It's called Aliyah, to go up. Right. And at that time, the regathering, the rapture, of the saints with Christ. Good. Again, God's feasts were given to Israel, but notice the blessings of the feasts are for all believers. Amen. That's a good way to put it. Romans 11 says, "Thou being a wild olive tree, grafted in them with the partakers of the root and fatness of the olive tree." If you're a believer in Christ, you're not a second-class citizen. Amen. You're a child of the King. Right. Joy heirs with Him. And so, you receive the blessings of the feast. Amen. All believers benefit the Feast of Pentecost, Holy Spirit dwells all, the Feast of Passover, Christ's death, burial, perfection, uh, for His resurrection. So, you receive uh, the benefits. But again, if you make one of these feasts part of the church, you've just uh, recalled replacement theology, and you've changed the doctrine of what the Bible teaches, and you've gone to what's called a amillennial, postmillennial that Justin, Mar, Ignatius, Augustini, and others have uh, said. Uh, There's old children gospel uh, song that got it wrong. Mm. You ever heard that song? Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, mine, 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 mine Jesus mine. Mm. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> God made promises to Israel That's concerning right. the promised land and it is not That's right. for the church. It's good. I agree. Again, the benefits of the feasts are for all Jew and Gentile. But as shown above, there's more to these feasts than just the blessings. They are God's calendar of redemption. Good. So now we go to the sixth feast, the Day of Atonement. Mm. And we spent most of our time on the Feast of Trumpets because that's the one that's most misunderstood. Mm. And uh, uh, the trumpet, they want to make the rapture in, uh, in the church. And it's uh, it's why I point out it was always about Israel, feast and to tell the children of Israel. So this sixth feast is the Day of Atonement. Now, at the, we spoke of this, a time for the affliction of the soul, a day of individual and national atonement. Right. We said call, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. It's fulfilled by the tribulation, that seven-year tribulation period that takes place after the rapture of the saints, the Feast of Trumpets. Right. And at the end of this tribulation, Romans 11 says... All Israel is uh, all Israel shall be saved Romans eleven twenty six. Amen. So we've been raptured out. God brings Israel back during this time. The antichrist is going to be revealed, and you're going to have uh, the two witnesses, one hundred forty four thousand. Mm-hmm. They're going to be killed, and the first three and a half years were rough. But after the three and a half years, it gets really bad, yes. and God pours out His wrath. They call that the Great Tribulation, that yes. final three and a half years. Right and uh, pours out more of the vials and, and others, and terrible things take place. And so it's during this seven-year tribulation that Israel comes to that forefront. And at the very end, just before the second coming, all Israel uh, shall be saved. This, again, is one of the key verses in Romans 11 that stops all amillennial, postmillennial mm. people that want replacement doctrine because by definition, yes, a church... That is made up of believers. Yes. Now you say, well, I've heard people who were members of the church that weren't saved. Yes, that's true. But by definition, they really weren't members. They really had the name of the role, Right, right. but they weren't members. Yeah. There is no shall be saved. Mm -hmm. So if Israel is the church, shall be saved? No, no. The the two definitions don't work. Good. So this is how we know it's Israel, not the church. That means... You and I, praise the Lord, are not going to go through that tribulation That's time period. Right. By the way, with what we've just been experiencing with COVID and all that, people thought that uh, this is that uh, what, what the end time speaks of. And I said, no. Mm. How do I know that? Because I'm still here. Yeah,
0: right. We'll be gone.
1: We'll be gone <laughs> when all those uh, uh, trumpets and bottles are there. Now, this Israel's physical affliction during the seven years, Hosea 5 says, I will go and return to my place Till they acknowledge their offense, seek my face. In their afflictions, they will seek me early. Before one can return to a place, he must first leave it. God's place is in heaven, so when did he leave? He came to earth at the incarnation, went back at the ascension from the Mount of Olives after Israel rejected his messiahship. And remember, he said he would not come back, that's the second coming, till they, Israel, acknowledges their offense, and and rejection of him as Messiah. So when Israel shall be saved, all Israel who are living during this tribulation period, and let me make sure I make this clear, because there's some misunderstandings. All Israel is saved is speaking of the Jews who go through the tribulation. Yes. If you are a Jew, or a Gentile for that matter, and you're not saved, you're not going, you're not, it's not guaranteed salvation. That's right. Uh, there are people like a uh, 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 guy down in Houston who teach a two covenant uh, viewpoint, and uh, they'll say, well, everybody needs Jesus but the Jew. No, all Israel shall be saved. But this is speaking about um, the tribulation time period. Right. Not all Jews, whether they accept the Christ or not, get saved. There, uh, uh, there are several groups. They have made this profession, unfortunately, hmm. call a two-covenant system, and uh, they're totally wrong. Amen. So um, uh, the point of this is the Jewish rejection is not holding up the rapture. When you go back in history, church history, unfortunately, and you go through the uh, 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 Crusades, the Spanish Inquisition, let's focus on that. Right. The viewpoint, they would uh, torture Jews. Spanish Inquisition, the the, the priest would take a cross, make it into a knife at the top, and put it to a Jew's throat, and say, eat this pork, or I'm going to kill you. And if they uh, would take you and put you on the rack, and they would say, either accept Christ, and we'll kill you now, Mm -hmm. or we'll make it slow. And their purpose of this, because they have a replacement doctrine view, they believe Jews are holding up the rapture, the coming of Christ, the second wow. coming.
0: Wow.
1: And they'll say it's a Jews' fault. That's crazy. And that's where false doctrine will yeah. get you to do false things. That's right. That's and right. that's one of the big histories where you get into where many, many bad things were done through Jewish blood because they had a false doctrine. Mm. The physical affliction that takes place during the tribulation. Again, that they're not holding up the rapture. What's mm. holding the rapture? Christ has a day. That's right. And the Bible says he will not tarry his coming. Amen. And therefore, until the t- time that he is put, Amen. we're here serving him. Uh, um, Occupy till I come, scripture says. That's right. So physical affliction will lead Israel during that tribulation time to their spiritual affliction. Hosea 6 is the answer or response to the Hosea 5. Israel's national atonement comes during this seven-year tribulation. right? Hosea 6 says, Come, let us return unto the Lord. For he had torn, he will heal us, he had smitten, and he will bind us up. Amen. In the Armageddon War in Zechariah 12, all nations come against the Jews and Israel to battle. And that physical affliction brings spiritual affliction. Right. The third temple sacrifices, that this is how they're going to get saved in the tribulation. That's a good question. If there's no more church and there isn't, how are these Jews going to get saved? Well, there's going to be a tabernacle temple. Some call it the third temple. You got Solomon's temple. You got Zerubbabel's temple. Herod remodeled uh, Zerubbabel's. Please don't call it uh, Herod's temple. Um, he wasn't a Jew. And then you're going to have a third temple that uh, the tribulation temple. It's going to be built, and they're going to be doing sacrifices during that time. Mm. And when they do those sacrifices, Zechariah 12 says, and they're going, they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, right. and they shall mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. Amen. And so they're doing these sacrifices, the burnt, the meat, the piss, the sin, the trespassing, the Passover, all these things. And all of a sudden, they're going to say, that's Christ. See and him just as the Old Testament was supposed to be a testimony when Christ came, Amen. and that's why he wept up on the Mount of Olives, because they missed their time, uh, then they should have known, the yes. day of thy preparation. And so the feast of, um, the day of atonement is a time where Israel goes through great affliction. Mm. You say, it must be great because they've gone through a lot of affliction already. Yes, yes. that's true. But if you think that's bad, mm. uh, wow. <laughs> you haven't seen, remember, you, during the tribulation time period, you got a third of the earth yeah. destroyed, you got terrible a third, things, yeah. people, a third of the population killed, and so now we come, and again, we're dealing with the fall feast, the Feast of Trumpet. That was the shout for believers. The trump is for uh, Israel to make uh, uh, back to Aliyah, back to uh, uh, Israel. Then you've got the tribulation time period, the Day of Atonement. And then you've got the final feast, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. Mm. Amos 9, nine eleven says, In that day, speaking of... Uh, 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 in times, that millennial kingdom. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David mm. that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof. And I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as the days of old. Good, good. A great verse. In the millennial kingdom, yes. a thousand year reign. Amen. No church. We're ruling and reigning with Christ. Right. So will the Old Testament saints. So will the tribulation saints that are killed. We're building a kingdom here. And the tabernacle, Christ himself, is going to be in that millennial kingdom. Amen. That millennial temple. Right. That's the fourth temple. Good. Some think that maybe the tribulation temple, which is the third temple, which uh, because the antichrist destroys a lot of it, it takes, there's a 75-day period don't mean to go so deep here. Between the second coming and the millennial kingdom, it's remodeled, mm-hmm. kind of like what Herod did. Or it might be its own temple. Mm-hmm. Ezek, uh, Ezekiel 40 through 48 deals with this yes, uh, temple. temple yeah. And so uh, we're not quite sure. Of uh, uh, We know it's uh, uh, going to be bigger than the others. But uh, mm-hmm. still, uh, Jesus himself is going to be in the, tab- uh, in the temple, the tabernacle of David. As we gather around him to rule and reign with him. Revelation 21, 3. And I heard a great voice out of the heavens saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Wow. God incarnate. God in the flesh. Let me give you one little tip here that will help you to fully grasp things.
0: Mm. In
1: the tabernacle. Was God in the tabernacle? Yes, mm-hmm. He was in the most holy place. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a finger of God. It wasn't the hand of God. It was God Himself. Yeah, He's still ruling all around the world. Right. What was God covered with? Mm-hmm. Cloth. Was God in the Solomon Temple? Yeah, He was mm-hmm. most holy place. Was it a finger God hand? No, it's God Himself. I still ruling all over the world. Mm-hmm. What was God covered with? Stone and then in John chapter 1, Christ came. God is now covered not with cloth like the tabernacle, not with stone like the temple. Now he's covered with skin, with flesh, yet still being around the world. That's right. The triune of the Godhead is in understanding these tabernacles and temples. Was God? wanting to have a relationship with you and I. Good. He wanted to dwell, but because of Adam's fall, he couldn't do it. How can a holy and righteous God have a connection with sinful man? Right. And he did by going through the tabernacles, the, uh, the uh, temples, and now as a church, we as believers, we have the Holy Spirit. So it's a tremendous teaching Amen. of understanding. These feasts are going to be done in the millennial time period. Mm. See, this is where people who have wrong doctrine make what will say, well, uh, it's, these feasts were done in the Old Testament. Jesus did the feast in the New Testament. And we know the feasts are going to be in the millennial kingdom. Uh, Ezekiel 45, 21 through 25, we'll show you that in a second. So, why shouldn't we do it today?
0: Yeah, right. Oh,
1: that sounds pretty That's good. Good question, yeah. Until you understand, because this is the church age, Mm-hmm. Israel's been set aside, right? And then after the rapture, Israel is brought back, and so that's why they'll be doing it again in Amen. the millennial time period Amen. because there's no church. God always has a witness, and these witnesses, just like uh, we've been uh, showing you each feast, showing Christ's first and second coming, we're seeing that again uh, being used in the millennial uh, time period as well as in the tribulational time period. Mm. So here's the millennial time period where they do these feasts in Ezekiel 45. It says, in the first month, in the 14th day of the month, you shall have the Passover, a feast of the seven days. Unleavened bread shall be eaten. and seven days of feast, he shall prepare a burnt offering to the Lord. In the seventh month, in the 15th day of the month, that speaks of the Feast of Tabernacles. Right. So we've got three feasts. So the question becomes, well, um, what about the other four? Well, if the three are done, I can't believe the other four won't. But uh, uh, to me, I just think that by doing the three, um, that all four, all seven will be done. Amen. But uh, Zechariah 14 confirms this. And the family of Egypt go not up. This is talking about the end times. Yes. This is talking about the millennial time period mm-hmm. where uh, Egypt, uh, Syria, and Israel are now working together. Isaiah Good. 19, yes. uh, one of my great chapters of the Bible, uh, that Christ comes back initially, not to Mount Olives first, comes to Egypt, and then the Petra. And then goes to the Mountain of Olives. But that's another discussion. So if the family of Egypt not go up and come not, if they in the millennial kingdom, if you don't come to these feasts, because you're required to come, there shall be the plague wherein the Lord will smite the heathen that shall not uh, up to the keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be a punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come nigh up to keep the feast of tabernacles. Mm. So these feasts each deal. With great prophecy, yes. both Old and New Testament. Right. The feast of Passover, Christ died just on the day he was supposed to die, the feast of, uh, of Passover, as the Passover lamb. John said, Behold, Lamb of God, take with us in the world. He was buried on the feast of unleavened bread. He was put in the heart of the earth, <clears throat> some will say. The scripture says, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And some believe that's the grave, and then he arose on a day that didn't even have a name—the Feast of first fruits. Right. And then 50 days later, the Feast of Pentecost. 40 days Christ taught, and now Holy Spirit comes yes. right on time. That's the spring feast. Amen. Now we're in the Church Age. We're uh, we're uh, uh, we're that four months time period we're in the harvest and then that harvest of the church ends at the feast of trumpets wow that's at the shout yep and then when the trumpet comes that's for Israel to go back and uh, take back over in the Isra- in the land of Israel and God again uses Israel like he did in the Old Testament God uses the two uh, witnesses 144 thousand Jewish evangelists. And then that goes on for seven years. And at the very end of that seven years, at that time period, all Israel shall be saved. Mm -hmm. Because we have the battle of Armageddon with Christ coming back. And if you're a believer in Christ today, you'll be coming back to rule and reign with him. Right, amen. And it's uh, the old story of uh, the, uh, in Texas story, someone came to a, a, a fight with a knife. And the other person came with a gun. <laughs> it's a very quick war again. Yeah, yeah. And when it's over, we go into the millennial thousand year reign. Right, amen. And we'll be ruling reign. So let's keep things in importance of these feasts. Good. We did a quick review. The cross is the only thing that's finished. Amen. Colossians two. Amen. I always like to make things better. Nothing is ever, fi- ever finished except what Christ did. <laughs> Amen. But Colossians 2 said blinding out the handwriting of ordinances. That was against us. Paul, speaking of uh, the law, the Mosaic law was against the Gentiles. It was blotted out, which was us, and took it out of the way and nailing it to his cross. Oh, there's some mm. groups out there that says, well, well wait a second now. Uh, we should, could still try to keep the old covenant, the Mosaic mm. laws. No, they were nailed to the cross. That's it. That's
0: it. Fulfilled Amen. in
1: him. Amen. Nailed to the cross. Great. It wasn't that, okay, he fulfilled, but we still need to keep some of the No. Yeah. The law was our schoolmaster. I, Paul said I didn't know sin until I, the law says you should not commit adultery. It's like a speeding ticket. I'm driving down the road, sign says 70 miles an hour. I get pulled, see that little red light, and get pulled over, and the police always ask the question, Do you know how fast you're going, Mr. Sobolowski? <laughs> and you say, Well, uh, I probably was going too fast. If he looked at me and said, Okay, I just want to make sure you knew that, and he got back in his car and took off, what would I do? I would go, Praise the Lord, I don't have a $150 ticket. And I would keep driving. And then, if I'm still driving fast, I get pulled over again and it happens again and still don't get a ticket. In other words, if there's no punishment right. with the law, what be. good is the law?
0: That's right. I'm
1: driving 100 every time. Mm-hmm. There's no punishment. Right. The purpose of the law was to show you and I are lost, undone, bound for eternal damnation, right. and eternal hell. Right. Amen. The law is our schoolmaster, Galatians says, it brings us to the cross. Amen. And all those laws were nailed. Now, there's still laws. There's still laws. It's still not to take the Lord's <coughs> name in vain. That doesn't get thrown out. Uh, one God, great monotheistic statement. Lamb, uh, um, uh, Hero Israel, Lord God, the Lord is one. Right. But the Mosaic law, is fulfilled in Christ. Amen. So then Paul continues, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly and triumphing over them in it. And then he continues to say to the Gentiles, let no man therefore judge you. Yes. Let no man therefore judge you in meat. In Old Testament uh, times, and uh, uh, New Testament times, you kept kosher. That was the whole issue with Peter mm-hmm. where he says to God, uh, right. I haven't eaten these things. Right. They're unclean, and, and God points out that, no, it's not what goes in you it's unclean. It's what comes out that's mm. unclean. And so this is the fulfillment of the law. Yeah. So let no man ever judge you in meat or in drink, our respectable holy day. These holy days, we don't keep them. You can't keep them. You have to make it up. You can't do the Passover. You can't do any of these feasts today in Israel uh, a lot of these messianic groups will go to Israel. We're doing the Feast of Tabernacles. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? <laughs> That's for Israel. You can't That's do them. Right. Amen. It's very important. I get calls all the time from churches. Pastors will say, "What do I do? These people want to do these." They went to some messianic congregation, and I don't know what to say. And and you got to show. Colossians two is telling you all this. Amen. No, I are in mean, respect of a holy day or of a new moon are the Sabbath days. Now, here's what some will say. Well, now, Brother Phil, I know we don't have to do them. They're not for salvation, but it must be a good thing to do. After all, God told Israel to do it. Mm. No. He told Israel to do it, not the church to do it. You're not the church. You're not Israel. Right. You're the church. Two separate identities. Right. Both had many similarities. They were supposed to be a lighthouse to the world. They were supposed to uh, bring a gospel to them, but you're not Israel. You're confusing problems when you think you're doing those. Right. Why they are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Amen. And so it's imperative that we see this great prophecy, but understand it in the context of the end times.: Amen. Because if not, and you have wrong doctrine, you'll make wrong statements and wrong thoughts and miss everything. And how sad is this? is that? So again, I hope it helps what we've taught here with
0: the seven feasts. Amen. Brother Phil, thank you so much. It's been fantastic. And you know, Brother Phil kept his word. He started the whole series out saying, what is the most important prophetic uh, passage or chapter in the Bible? And he mentioned a couple that many of us would have probably said. But having went through this great passage in Leviticus 23 of the seven feasts of Israel, this has been a wonderful, really a summation of the work of Christ in his first coming, and what he will accomplish and fulfill in his second coming. Fantastic teaching, and again, I like what Phil said on the end of one of the podcasts, I think the last one, Uh, you and I need to make sure we're a part of the calendar of God. He has a plan, and you only get to be a part of that plan when you come through Jesus Christ. You get convicted about your sins against God's laws, Phil did a beautiful job of ending Uh, This uh, podcast, we're talking about the reason for God's law. We could never keep it. It was never meant to save us. It was meant to show us we need a Savior. And that law brings us to Christ who saves us. So, Brother Phil, it's been a joy to have you. We're going to have Phil back again, I'm I'm sure, in the future. But I hope uh, that you will uh, go back over these podcasts, go back over this passage with your Bible. You know, Phil had to cover a lot of information in a short period of time. We appreciate him spending so much of his time with us. And so I have thoroughly enjoyed this. So let me end with our motto, as always, conviction for truth and compassion for people. God bless you.